Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. So Revelation chapter 14, verse 1 through 16. Remember, let me do a quick recap. We talked about how Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible calls him the Son of Man. What else does, what what do they call Jesus? They call him the Lamb of God, right? He was the sacrificial lamb. In the Old Testament, they would take the best lamb, they would find it, they would sacrifice it, they were offered as an offering to God to celebrate Passover and all these things. That was a foreshadow of who Jesus was. He came and he laid his life down. He became the sacrificial lamb. Jesus is now referred to in the New Testament as the Lamb of God the tribe of Judah. It's interesting that he's also referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And in heaven, it's very clear that lions and lambs will lay down together. It is also very interesting that he is portrayed as the most ferocious and the most calm of things on the planet. Because at times God is ferocious and at times God is very, very calm. It's the beauty of who he is. It's the diversity of who he is. And so Revelation 14, 1 through 16 is about the lamb. And then it talks about some heavy stuff. So we're going to get into it this morning. Y'all ready? You got to put your thinking caps on. We're going to get into it. Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves, of the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders, no one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure virgins, following the lamb wherever he goes. They have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the lamb. They have told no lies. They are without blame. Verse 6. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen, the great city is fallen, because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. 
And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. They have, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently. Everybody say patiently. Obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Man, that is a important verse right there. Verse 12. Highlight that. Instagram it. Reel it. Post it. Whatever you're going to do. Narrate. Verse 12. In verse 13 it says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They are blessed indeed. For they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds, follow them. And then finally it says, Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. Whoa. That's a lot. We should pray right now. Let's do that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that it gives. We thank you for the passion that it brings, the joy that it brings. And Lord, I said we just learned this morning that we grab a hold of your word, that we grab a hold of what you want to say to us. And Lord, thank you for all that you do. Love you. And everybody said, amen. amen. So here's what you need to know. There is a real devil. There is a real hell. There is a real God. And there is a real heaven. And despite what some may think, this is not hell. And this is not heaven. It is neither. <laughs> we have been spared so far the wrath of what is to come. But all those things are very real. And if you want to know the truth, Jesus talked more about hell than he did about anything. Just look it up. Just go read all the red letters. You will discover that he came to warn people. He came to tell them, hey, there's a way to live and there's a way not to live. You should live like this. He warned people about hell because he didn't want anyone to go there. In fact, the Bible says that God wishes that none should perish. Jesus did come to rescue the world. And he did come to sacrifice himself for the sins of everyone. But understand this. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose it. God does not send people to hell. People choose it. It's very clear, even what we just read, when he said in verse 8, that all the nations of the world drank of passionate immorality. No one forces you into immorality. No one forces you to drink from a cup like that. People choose that. 
Lust drives you to choose that. Fear drives you to choose that. When you choose that over God, you've made a decision. The Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. Do you realize that the one that are chosen are the ones that remain? Are the ones that make themselves available? If I told everyone in this room tomorrow, I'm assembling a soccer team, how many would sign up? Three, okay. If all three of y'all showed up, but then when I said it's time to practice and only one of you showed up, guess who's getting picked? The one who showed up. It's pretty simple. If you don't go to the practice, you're not on the team. Many are called, fewer chosen, few get in the game. Because if you don't show up, how can you be involved? It's pretty simple. We've made it so hard. God doesn't send people there. People choose to reject all of God's good offerings, even on their deathbed. We've talked about this. Christ is on the cross to his left. A guy says, oh, if you're the son of God, get us off these trees. He said, you surely don't know who I am. He obviously didn't believe who Jesus was. But to his right, another thief said, I know you're the son of God. And Jesus said, you are right and you will be with me in paradise. See, even on your deathbed, you have a choice. God doesn't send you. You choose it. So my warning to you, the Bible's warning to you. Is, is very clear. He says, you have a choice, either life or death. Choose life. It's pretty simple. Even gives you the answer to the test. There's a question on your test. It's a one question test. You have a choice between life and death. And we're telling you the answer is life. So go ahead and fill in your answer. What are you going to choose? People still choose death. Because it feels good. The world has taught us that everything that feels good must be good. Yet we're getting told by Christ himself, those that patiently endure persecution and maintain their faith in Jesus, those are the ones that are making it. You want to know the secret to get to heaven? It's not even really being a good person. You're going to be surprised when you get to heaven. Your angry uncle is going to be in heaven. Okay, the grandma that spanked you 30 times a day, she's going to be in heaven probably. Okay, I know. I have one of them, you know. They go outside, we march around a tree. You know, we just march around a tree. And then she breaks off a stick and just start bang, bang. Like that's, you know, that's how we grew up. Uh, you know, it's just, let's find the best tree that has the hardest branches. You know, that's how we grew up. You know, that's what it was. She might be in heaven because she believed in Jesus. <laughs> I mean, she just loved God, you know, but she may not like me very much, but whatever. You know, you're going to be surprised somebody who in heaven, you know why? Because they endured. They may not have been right the whole time, but they endured. They had their faith in Jesus. It was secure and they kept choosing God. What's the secret? You can't earn your way there. You just have to choose to endure. Okay, I'm getting off my message. So yes, there is a real heaven, there is a real hell, there is a real God, there is a real devil. But I guarantee you, the devil doesn't look like what you think he looks like. We've read it, 
I've shown it to you before. That one day the world is going to marvel and go, is that him? Is that really the one who made the whole world upside down? Is it really, is that thing really the devil? The way he looks is really not what you think. He's not this big dude that fills up a room with horns. He like this big. I'm serious. Go read your Bible. I mean, that's what it says. He's so small, so frail. But his gift, his ability is to trick you up here. It's to create an image of who he is. To create an image of how great and powerful he is. And we believe it so easily because he plays on our emotions, on our flesh, on our human nature. And we forget that we are spiritual beings first. The Bible says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and he knows that so he plays on your flesh plays on your flesh and he like this big it's funny for those of you that's been in our city groups you know that we've been reading scripture over and over and over where it tells us that we have the power we deciding let me move forward So let me ask, let me answer this question. I know we asked this question last time and, and uh, it's always been an interesting thing. So will the world really end? And if so, when? Everybody has this idea that the world as we know it uh, will end, right? Like we, we see that. Um, and we think, you know, that we're going to blow ourselves up with nuclear bombs or something like that. Um, but according to scripture, that's not really how it goes down. That's not how the world ends. In fact, um, I don't really want to go to the scripture because this might just take too much time. But Jesus talked about it and, and he said it. And then the end will come, the end of the world. He even said the words end of the world. But when you read the translation, when you read it in the Greek, it, it literally translates the end of the age. In other words, there are times, there are seasons, right? And at some point in our future, this structure that we call time will end. I know it's hard to fathom. I know it's hard to understand. But you got to remember, God lives in eternity. He does not live in the confines of time. So at some point, time itself will just stop. And the end of the age, the end of this time period will end. When he said the end of the world, it's really translated the end of the age, the end of this time. There is a specific time somewhere in the future that what we know about life will end. People don't end. Heaven doesn't end. Hell doesn't end. The world is still intact. But what we know about how we're living stops. It changes. Everything changes. Jesus returns and things change. So you want to get into that a little bit? Can we talk about that a little bit? Got a little bit of time. Let's try it. The rapture of the church. Everybody heard this term rapture? Right? This, the, the term rapture, the word itself is not even in the Bible. In the Bible, it says things like snatching away or the great ascension, the calling up, you know, Jesus comes. The word rapture was just a, a term that was coined later on. 
so people get a little confused about that. It's because it's, you can't like look it up and it's not in the Bible, you know. But the rapture of the church is the event in which God calls all believers from earth in order to make way for his righteous judgment to be poured out on earth. There is a time where God's wrath will pour out on the earth. The, the wrath that he's been holding back. The wrath that Jesus died to save us from, right? Um, at some point in time, there is an expiration date on what God is holding back, right? And because he's given us the wonderful opportunity to build churches and save people and all this stuff, we have the opportunity right now to preach his gospel without fear, you know? That's what we're here to do. But at some point in time, that part will end. His wrath will be poured out. And he pulls us out of the earth for that. The rapture is described primarily in 1 Thessalonians. We'll read it in a second. And God will resurrect all believers who have died. I'm going to get into this. Okay? And he will give them glorified bodies and take them from the earth along with all living believers who will also be given glorified bodies at the time. Yes, bodies will literally come out of the ground. Do you wonder where they got the idea for walking dead? Oh, but this has happened before. Man, I wish you had more time. Somebody kept singing too long. Jesus is on the cross. Gives his last breath, right? He says, I, Lord, I commit my spirit in your hands. He's talking to the Father. I commit my spirit into your hands. He breathes his last breath. All of a sudden, the earth begins to go into chaos. There's storms. There's earthquakes. The veil in the temple start ripping into two. All these things started to happen. Another thing that happened, if you go read your Bibles, you'll find it. Another thing that happens is that bodies started coming out of the ground and walking in the streets. Go read your Bibles. It's there. This has happened before. This was the first resurrection. This was when Jesus died on the cross and all of a sudden it caused the earth to go into chaos. <laughs> it's in the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, in the book of Luke. Just go check it out. And so this is going to happen again. When he comes back for us, those of us who are alive during this time, here's the thing. We don't know when it's going to happen. It could be tomorrow. It could be while I'm eating my taco at 1230. Uh, it could be in a hundred years. We don't know. No one knows. But when he comes back, when he comes back, not only will he take the living, but he's going to take the dead bodies too. Because he has to give us new bodies. You don't believe me? Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. When you're there, say, oh yeah. Boom. Oh yeah. But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, the dead ones, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you, by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And here it is. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven 
with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So let me stop and encourage you this morning. There is a day coming where Christ literally returns, where he literally comes, he sits on a cloud and he says, let's go. And everything and everyone that belongs to him is going. Bodies are going to pop up out of the ground. They're going first. Those of us who are alive during that time, if we are alive, then we're going after. And we will literally be caught up in the air with him. Where do you think they got all these sci-fi movies from? These are not original ideas. It's from the Bible, y'all. Have y'all ever seen those shows on TV where all of a sudden 100,000 people are missing? Where do you think they got that from? Listen, this is not a myth. This is not some sort of uh, allegorical story that you tell your kids at night. No, no, no. One day, Jesus is returning and he's coming for all of us. And if you have already passed away and you're in heaven, but your body's still here, he's going to bring your body back too. See, he don't leave nothing behind. <laughs> he don't leave nothing behind. It's pretty wild, huh? Pretty wild to think about. See, I already think I look good, but then he's going to make me look even better. You know, like, I think I'm already perfect. But then he's going to take us and he's going to modify us and make us even better. I'm telling you. It sounds weird. It sounds crazy. But this should encourage you. You are not created to stay here forever. Not even your body. How does that work? What about those who are cremated? How does that work? Well, um, he sort of created you so he can do anything you want. He can do whatever he wants to do. Did you know that some people actually would not cremate their relatives for this reason? Because they felt like God couldn't raise them in the second coming. <laughs> it's like, don't you realize that like God can just put it all back together? He's taking you to heaven. Isn't that already a miracle enough? Like, you think that's a problem for him? What about all the martyrs that were burned at the stake in his name? Do you think he can't raise them back? I mean, come on. He can do anything he wants to do he's God the rapture of the church is a glorious event and we should all actually be longing for it we will finally be free from sin that's a glorious thing we will be in God's presence forever there is far too much debate on this topic and unfortunately, that was not God's intent. Rather, this should be comforting to us. This should give us hope. I've been there, man. I've, I've sat in the classes where everyone debated over when Jesus was coming back. You know, is he coming back before the tribulation, during the tribulation, after the tribulation? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. 
No one can give you a concrete answer because it's pretty clear that no one knows. In fact, I want to read one last thing. I think I have time for this. Let's hope we do because then I'll start talking too much. Let's read Matthew chapter 24 and then we'll be done because we're going to read the whole chapter. (laughs) Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1. This part right here should encourage you. If you've ever wanted to know where to go in the Bible to kind of learn a big nutshell of what the end will look like, Matthew 24 is that picture, okay? It is one of the most important uh, pieces of scripture according to the end times, right? Anybody ever heard the term eschatology, right? Eschatology is the term used for the study of the end of the world or study of the end, right? And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about eschatology this morning. It's just a big word for it. And eschatology, unfortunately, creates all sorts of debates and, and uh, fights and struggles. We're just going to read what the Bible says and leave it at that. Can we do that this morning? Out to him the verses. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? That's where it is right there. End of the world's translated end of the age or the end of this time. Verse four says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. It's always interesting when Jesus is asked a question and his first response is, don't be misled. That should tell you that people will try to confuse you about this topic. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. How many of us always hear of wars and threats of wars, right? It says don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. So just because you hear the world's going to go into war, that's not the end. Verse 7, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So when you start to see this stuff happen, it isn't like, oh, Jesus is coming tomorrow. No, 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 no. It's just the beginning. Just the beginning. Hold on. Verse 9, then you'll be arrested. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, they will be persecuted and killed. <laughs> Just you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Some people don't like the idea of getting persecuted for their faith. Some people's faith isn't strong enough to endure persecution. That's hard. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Unfortunately, many from the church one day will turn away from the church and betray the church when they go through this season. In verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures, right? We talked about it earlier. The one who endures to the end will be saved it's very simple it's very simple 
And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the world so that all nation will hear it. And guess what? And then the end will come. When's the end of the world going to happen? When everyone gets off their butt and starts preaching the gospel. Can it be more clear than that? We have a big banner we're going to put back up one day when we finish this place. And it says, until the whole world knows. Why did we make that banner? Because of this scripture, Matthew 24 and verse 14. Because the end won't come. Jesus is not coming back until everyone gets up and gets to work and starts preaching to everyone they see. Because the world can't know unless you go. The world can't hear unless you say something. I'm going to read this again. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Don't worry about the wars. Don't worry about the earthquakes. Don't worry about the famines. Don't worry about the fires, about the pandemics. Don't worry about all this, this riots. That's not the sign. The sign is you. If you can't say amen, say ouch. The sign is me. The sign is the church actually going out and doing something and preaching the good news. How many of you are glad to be in church this morning? Isn't it good to be in church? Isn't it good to have your kids in church? Isn't it good? It's good news. And yet, we're so scared to say about it, talk about it. Hey, you want to come to church? Proclaimed throughout the whole world before Jesus is ever coming back, y'all. So quit trying to walk around going, oh, Lord, take me today. It's been a hard week. You must endure. Those who what? Endure to the end. But you're going to be enduring a long time if you don't say anything. I hope this is simple enough. I hope this is clear enough. The church's job since the day Christ left, he said, go and make disciples of who? All the world. Here he is saying, guess what? I ain't coming back till you finish your homework. Pretty simple, y'all. We make it so hard. Oh, when the third trumpet blows, this is going to happen. And then when the sixth trumpet blows, this is going to happen. And then the ashes of the red heifer, where they spilled, and that tells us when he's coming back. No, no, no. When you get out of your chair, you go outside, and you go serve someone and tell them about Jesus, you're starting the process of bringing Christ back. And then guess what? It's over. But everybody walking around trying to figure out Is God coming today? Ooh, I heard a loud noise in the sky. Anybody been there? You go into your house, you had like three people at your house. Then all of a sudden they all gone. You walk out of your room, you're like, did the rapture happen? How come I'm still here? Why am I, oh, my kids are still here. All right, we're fine. Anybody been there? Verse 15. The day is coming 
when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return to even get a coat. How terrible it would be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or the Sabbath, for there will be a greater anguish than that of any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. There will still be people here, God's chosen ones, during the time of great calamity, y'all. That is hard to hear. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. You got to remember, this is Jesus talking. This is coming straight from the Son of God. So if someone tells you, look, oh, sorry, verse 28, just as the gathering of the vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Verse 29, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. So this is after. After it all happens, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. The world, the universe, will go into chaos at the end. And then, at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be a deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming. The whole world will see Jesus. I sometimes wonder if this is a spiritual visual thing or if this is because we all have our phones and somebody going to have Jesus on TikTok. I'm being serious. Like I've always wondered about this particular version, part of the scripture. How can the whole world see one thing at the same time? Here it is. We have the capability today. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know the summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear. What? Heaven's going to disappear. Earth is going to disappear. But my words will never disappear. We're longing to get to heaven and he's going to destroy that too. I'm just blowing everything up this morning. We're trying so hard to get to heaven, but that's not our permanent home either. Bible says he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We're so captivated with trying to rescue everything we see. We're missing the point. Verse 36, however, no one knows the day or the hour. This is very interesting right here. And I'll close with this section because then we'll be here forever. I will talk too much. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or who? The son himself. 
Only the Father knows. How can this be possible? I thought Jesus and God like the same person. Yes. She's saying he's hiding things from himself. Yes. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. Think about it like this. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One being, yet three parts to him, right? We are inherently the same way. We are a body, a soul, and a spirit. Our soul is simply our emotions, our feelings, our, you know, everything natural and fleshly about us is our soul. But our spirit is what God breathed into us. Our spirit is not from this world. Our spirit is very different. It is from the Lord himself. And it may be interesting to hear that God will hide parts of things from himself, but we do that to ourselves. How many of you have ever heard of suppressed memories? We have the ability to push away thoughts and memories that we don't even remember them. We're human and we have that ability. Humans have the ability to make themselves into something they're not. There's many stories where uh, a woman will actually think she's pregnant for so long she has all the physical signs of being pregnant without the fetus. Her stomach grows. Her hormones change. Body changes. No fetus. It's a scientific anomaly because the human mind is more powerful than we can understand. If that is capable in our own ability, what can God do, right? So don't put it past him that he can hide parts of himself from himself. I know that's weird to think. But Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. Only the Father. So how can someone get a billboard on I-37 and say, on December 12, 2021, Jesus is coming back. Anybody seen that before? Like, what are you thinking, dude? (laughs) No one knows. Not even the Son of Man. Verse 40, and this is where you need to watch because it's very interesting. Two men will be working together in the field and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. He's not coming when you expect him, y'all. He's not coming when you see, oh, all things are lining up. He must be coming very, very soon. He's coming when you're chilling, when you're working, when you're just living life. Verse 45, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. 
and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how he closed out that message. That's how I'm going to close out mine. It's very simple. You either serve God or you serve this world. You either choose life or you choose death. You either choose heaven or you choose hell. And when he returns should matter very little to you. The only thing that should matter to you is that you're a part of getting the harvest ready. Because as we read, there comes a day when the angel will tell Jesus, throw out your sickle, reap the harvest. And it will happen one day. And those that endured, those that were faithful, those that made it to the end, that said, I don't care how good my day has been. I don't care how bad my day has been. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to raise my children to pray and serve God. I'm going to live my life to praise God and serve God no matter what. It doesn't matter if there's famines and earthquakes. None of that matters. How you live your life matters. Who you choose matters. Let's stand. God's word is so amazing. I love his word. so raw so intense there are times when you need those scriptures that just like what Jasmine shared earlier you know I got plans for you I have thoughts for you it's amazing and then there's times you need those scriptures where it's like hey you know this isn't game this isn't a game right you know this isn't a religion right no, this isn't just a belief system, right? That this is about life and death. This is about heaven or hell. This is about a real, real future. Afterlife. You know this is all temporary, right? It's all temporary. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to open hearts and open eyes and open minds this morning. For every person that's here, every person that's watching, I want to give you an opportunity. If you have not been right with the Lord, you have not been living your life for him, I want to give you an opportunity to make it right, right now. On the count of three, if you're here, you're... You know that you need to surrender. You know that you need to live right. You know that you need to give your life to the Lord. This is just the first step. I want you to lift your hands on the count of three. One, two, three. Lift your hands. I see you. I see you. 
Listen, those of you that raised your hands, that's that first step. It's time to put one foot in front of the other and keep moving, keep walking. This is not a game. This is, this is, I know this is, you know, nice and it's a church and we feel good and we're great. But you know what? This is about your future. This is about eternity. And we are to get up and go and reach others for the sake of the good news. And the end will not come until we get up and go and reach others for the sake of the good news. this week our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing if you would like to support our ministry you can easily do so by visiting our website pursuitcc.com also follow us on all social media outlets by using at pursuitcc thank you and god bless